This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Any, any, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 17, but while you're doing that, any questions uh, concerning what was said this morning? I'm going to be trying to do this more often, so y'all y'all have to be prepared here, all right? <laughs> it just amazes me that the disciples are asleep. Anybody would be believing in Jesus and have a strong faith and believe you would think. The people who walked over to go with him and saw that that wasn't being their name would be. Still battling the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's the same. I mean, we we have the spirit of God within us, and and we still don't uh, don't trust Him like we should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's on, there's only one way that you're going to know who He is, <laughs> and that's that God makes you know. I mean, that He reveals Himself to you. But um, that being said, now I mean that doesn't excuse those who refuse to believe. They they still uh, bear the guilt of their sin. But the only way that that you can know is for Him to reveal Himself. Um, but like Brother Ron was saying. Uh, what about the what about Christians? What about the disciples? I mean, the disciples um, were believers and they were followers, and yet you know we still see them slipping up uh, over and over and over. Um, now, of course, here here's what might be a little bit convicting for us. Okay, um, there was a there, at least it is for me. There was a a huge difference once they were filled with the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. So, I mean, it, it was so bad when they were still walking with Jesus that ultimately they denied Him. And on the night He was arrested and they all ran away. Um, so even though they believed and they were followers, um, they, they, they could still walk out on Him in, in a, a, you know, at a crucial time. But after, after the day of Pentecost, you know, once they were uh, full of the Holy Spirit, Oh, they it was they were ready to die for him and and did actually did they they laid their lives down for Christ so they were empowered at that point you know by the by the Holy Spirit to do those things so it's it's uh, you know some of it was timing I mean while while they were walking with him in the flesh they were empowered there too but it was by Jesus I mean you know in other words they would mess up and and he would set them back straight and correct them. Uh, so he he was with them then, and then the Holy Spirit uh, with us now in us. Yeah, that's a borrowed term. I don't know if it has a you know. I, <laughs> that's a, that I got that that terminology from uh, Mike Harris, a friend of mine, and I thought it was just very appropriate. Uh, but. Um, 
you know, hyper is like when you exaggerate something. And so when I was referring to the hyper faith movement, I was talking about the people who think that, uh, you know, the name it and claim it clan, uh, that you can use faith to uh, basically manipulate God to do whatever you want done. And so they, it's always this thing is if you just believe, you can receive. Um, and they leave out the most important aspect, which is, uh, what, what we, there, there's something we must believe, alright? It's God, it's God, and God's will. So it's not just if you can believe anything, like we talked about this morning. It's if you can believe God. So now, if God, yes, if God, uh, says something and speaks something specific, do we need to believe that? But uh, that's what I was referring to as the hyper-faith movement. You know, they, it's just the idea that um, you can obtain anything by, quote, faith. Um, so they believe, you know, again, quote, in quotation marks, they believe for um, more money. You know, they believe for better jobs, better houses, better car, you know, drive a Cadillac instead of a Toyota and so on. Um, that, it, that has nothing to do with biblical faith. I mean, it's just, it's just not. The only reason I brought it up is because sometimes we, we're in danger of going to the other extreme. Jesus uh, does say, uh, and we don't, and it, He does say all things are possible to those who believe, right? Now, and we don't want to just skim over that and think, boy, you know, there's that passage that the name it and claim it clan uh, just uh, perverts and, uh, and abuses. Uh, we want to look at it and see what he's actually saying. Now, what does he mean there? Because the statements are strong. Uh, he, he's telling us that we need to believe God. We need to trust God. But yeah, that's, that's what I would. I also refer to him as, uh, this is just my own terminology here, but as, the, as uh, having or using, applying Star Wars theology. Uh, and what I mean by that is they, they speak of faith as if it were a force to be to be used, you know, wielded like a sword or something. Or uh, in in Star Wars, you know, you have uh, the force, you know, let the force be with you. And you've got all this teaching and and uh, the the doctrine of George Lucas, I guess, where you uh, you can use the force. You know, the force is just this impersonal force, and you can use it for good or you can use it for evil. And so, Darth Vader uses it for evil, right? I mean, he started out good, and then he went bad. And he was using the same power. He started out doing good things with it, and then he went bad. And Luke Skywalker um, is using the force for good, to accomplish good for the kingdom. Okay, that's the, and this is the reason I call that Star Wars theology, because they speak of faith that way. They say, if, if, you, if you believe good things are going to happen to you, then good things will happen to you. If you believe bad things are going to happen to you, then bad things will happen to you. And they even take it so far as to say, you know, you can speak these things into existence. So if you, if you talk bad and negative, then you're going to bring bad things into your life and on yourself. But if you talk good things and so forth, you're going to bring good things. And they're, what, what they're doing is describing faith, because they call it faith, uh, like I say, it's really as, as far as from biblical faith as the East is from the West. But they, they're calling it faith. And what they're doing is describing faith as an impersonal force by which you create your own reality and manipulate God even. 
You know, you make God do things for you. I'm glad you brought that up because that's more in line with what we were talking about this morning. Go ahead. So, would they be in the same classification? Because we know, you know, Paul asked God to be one, and he did. Right. Um, let's look at Mark nine again. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because that 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 is more in line with um, what we're actually talking about here. The answer to your question is probably yes. Uh, I mean, I, you know, because I think I know what you're talking about. And yeah, I think they're probably in that category too. Um, they're misunderstanding uh, something about biblical faith. However, like I said, I, 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 wouldn't, I would want us to take care to not go to the other extreme. So, let's look at Jesus' words again here. Um, hang with me just for a minute here. I want to look at something else real quick. <clears throat> okay. Um, in fact, I'm going to read both of these again from, from uh, just a couple of verses here from Matthew 17 and Mark 9. Remember, Matthew 17 was a shorter account of, of all of this, the healing of the epileptic child. He was actually a demon-possessed child. But um, First, look. Matthew 17, verse 19. And this is where the, the disciples could not, they, they were unable to... Um, to cast the demon out of this boy. Yeah, verse 19. All right, well, let's pray, and then, and then, we'll, then we'll look at this, and then also Mark 9. Father, we do uh, come in the name of Jesus, thanking You, Father, for Your grace uh, in revealing Yourself to us, and Your grace in giving us times together to study Your Word and have these kinds of discussions. Lord, as always, we need uh, discernment. Direction by your Spirit, uh, Lord, and, and may we may we always be mindful of your presence within us, and and be thankful, and be aware, and Father, we do look to you now, uh, God, and direct us in in this discussion. We don't want to mishandle your truth. Enable us to glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, Matthew seventeen. Now, the disciples can't cast him out. Look at verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Like I say, you have to understand that there's got to be shocked here because you go back to, I think it's Matthew 10. We talked about it at the time. When Jesus sends them out, He gives them power over these very things. Power to cast out demons, power to heal sicknesses and disease and so forth. So they've done it. They've been there, done that. They, they've, they've walked in that kind of power and exercised that kind of power. So here comes this man, says, my, you know, my boy's demon-possessed, and gives them the situation, the scenario, and they can't cast the demon out. So now they're, they're asking Jesus, why are we unable to cast him out? Why could we not cast it out? Now listen to, carefully to Jesus' answer. Because of your unbelief. 
For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, now he gives kind of a twofold answer here. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Um, need to make a note of that too. We, in, in spiritual warfare, prayer and fasting are necessities, okay? Um, Jesus says this, this kind, this, this is a, uh, this is a hard situation. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So, so, you know, pray. I mean, stay, stay in a mindset of prayer. Um, fast. Uh, you know, is, it, fasting is a, it's not just a religious, uh, you know, observance to, uh, in the Old Testament they were actually commanded to do it once a year. Okay? Once a year on the Day of Atonement. We're not given any instruction on how often to do it. Just to do it. So, I, th- I think it, that what the Lord is doing there is leaving it to our discretion. Uh, or, you know, by His leading. We do it as He leads uh, for spiritual reasons. But we should see uh, some level of, of importance to it here. All right, now let me back up a minute. There, again, their question is, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus' answer, because of your unbelief. Um. Now, I mentioned this morning, there is a, a, a textual variance here. So, some, some of your translations, and it's not just a translation difference, it's a textual difference. It's a difference in some of the Greek manuscripts, but, it, but it's reflected in your translations. So, some of, some of you are, are, see what I just read because of your unbelief. Some of you, your Bibles are going to say something like, because of your little faith. Sheila, you have the NIV? What does that say right there? Because because you have so little faith. That's because there's two different words uh, in in the Greek text. Some of them say uh, unbelief, no faith, literally, no faith, and that's the way the King James is translated. Because it's being translated from those texts, <coughs> specifically the Stephen's text, the uh, Textus Receptus. Others have a different word there, which means little. Faith. And, and that is consistent with plenty of other passages where Jesus tells the disciples, um, you know, that, 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 they, that, they don't, that they have little faith. Um, but either way, the issue is lack of faith, right? I mean, either they don't have any faith or they don't have enough faith. So what I'm saying is we, we, don't, want to just, we don't want to just gloss over that. So, yeah, you know, those people out there that are blaming everybody for not being healed because they don't have enough faith, they're wrong. Okay? Yeah, I think so. But then just move, you know, well, they're wrong and, you know, that's just not right. And then go on. Wait a minute. Jesus did say, didn't He? The problem is you don't have faith. You don't have enough faith. Faith is the issue on the part of the disciples. And then He goes on to tell them, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, he's just talking about a little tiny amount of faith, if I can say it that way, um, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, 
and it will be and it will move. So if you've just got a little bit of faith, you could say to a mountain, move from here to there. You're seeing where these people are, even the, the hyper faith movement I was referring to. You, you see where they get those kinds of ideas? And on the surface, these texts seem to back up what they teach. Now, like I said this morning, the problem is you can't stay on the surface. You've got to go deeper. But uh, at least, you know, we can, we can admit on the surface it does seem to back up what they teach. And Jesus does say you can't cast them out because of your unbelief or because of your little faith. And then if you had a, a little bit of faith, you could say to this mountain, be moved, and it would move. You could move mountains. You could uproot trees and cast them in the sea or replant them in another place. And, and I said this morning, I think Jesus is just using hyperbole there, but He's still, in other words, He doesn't really want us moving mountains, but He's, still, he's emphasizing a point. He's using very strong language to emphasize a point of the kind of power behind faith. Faith in Christ. And so then He goes on to say, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. You couldn't cast him out because you didn't have enough faith. If you had faith, nothing would be impossible to you. Now, he says to the, to the man, that was to the disciples, to the man in Mark 9.23, the father of the boy, he says, all things are possible to him who believes to him who has faith. So he even tells the father of this demon-possessed boy, you know, he says, the man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Well, and Jesus says, look, um, all things are possible to him who has faith, to him who believes. So what I'm saying is we don't want to just throw out the idea that faith is not necessary. It is necessary. Or that it's not powerful it is powerful. Let me give you one more. This is one of their favorites. Um, in fact, this is short, so I'll just read this whole account. This is Mark 11. Um, well, I am going to jump kind of in the middle of it here. Jesus had cursed a fig tree here. And then in Mark 11, verse 20, In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up, from the roots. And Peter, remembering, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, that is, he remembered that Jesus cursed the fig tree. And he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. <laughs> That's good. And it believe God. Have faith in God. And it's like he's saying, Why are you so surprised? I told the thing to dry up and wither, and it did. Uh, and you're shocked? Have faith in God. Verse 23, Jesus goes on, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, that's strong language. Now, you can kind of see where the hyperfaith, the word of faith, 
which, by the way, is that that's a uh, terminology that they embrace, Word of Faith, Word of Faith movement. Now you can kind of see um, where they get some of these ideas. Well, in fact, like I said, this is one of their favorite passages, Mark 11, 23 and 24. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, uh, similar language to what we had over in Matthew. If you don't believe in your heart, it'll be done. And verse 24, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, let me go back to your question and try to answer it this way. Um, is it true that if, if I don't... Is it true that, let's say a person is sick and they cannot... You know, they're not healed. I mean, they want to be healed. They're asking God to heal them. Um, would it be right to say that they don't have enough faith to be healed? Well, my answer would be no, yes, and no. And, and let, me, let me try to explain that. Um, first of all, we, we need to go back to kind of what I was saying this morning and define faith. What, what are we talking about when we say faith? Exactly. That's, that's the synonym that I love to use that I think is most helpful uh, for today because um, the, the, word of, the word faith, F-A-I-T-H, is, is so misunderstood. Like I said, people use it to refer to different types of religion. People use it to refer to all kinds of various uh, ideas, beliefs, whatever. Um, so it's just got a variety of meanings. So just, just to give it a simple, down-to-earth, one-word definition... I would use the word trust. Trust God. So now let's go back to the question. A person wants to be healed. They're not healed. Is it because they don't have enough faith? Okay. Well, if you mean by that that they're not really believing with all of their whole heart that they are going to be healed, then I would say the answer is yes, they don't, it's true, they don't have enough faith. Because if they did, they would be healed. I think that kind of faith is a gift that God gives, and it's, and it's never uh, just, just an empty, you know, void gift. When He gives that kind of faith, like Paul looks at one man in Acts and saw or perceived that he had faith to be healed. He's talking about, a, a, I think, a special kind of faith there that God had imparted to this man. That man had, had faith to be healed. Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. And the man was healed. It, it, it wasn't not going to happen. Okay? He had faith to be healed. Because it was God's will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we pray, we ask, um, but do we really desire? What's the bottom line? You know, look, we ask for somebody to be healed. Maybe maybe myself, maybe somebody else. I'm praying for. Uh, I can think, you know, person, uh, an example, for, you know, when my mother uh, had cancer and, and she eventually died. Oh, well, I did a lot of praying, asking for her to be healed. 
and, and other people. Pray for people all the time to be healed. But what is the bottom line? What is it? Thy will be done. Right. And that's, that's where the, the, you know, what makes the difference in genu- genuine biblical faith, I would say. And that's the point, I think, that they're missing. Now, I know how they explain it. I mean, they say, it's always God's will for people to be healed. He's told us that in His Word. I don't think He has told us that in His Word. And I've heard them try to prove it. I, I don't think it's there. But that's what they say. Well, it's always God's will to heal. That's the reason we need to just believe it and receive it. Well, like I say, that's just not there. And I don't, it's not always God's will to heal or we'd never die. I mean, we're all, we all suffer the consequences of sin to some degree. I mean, you, you may live to be a hundred and you may never have a, get sick a day in your life, but eventually you're gonna die. <laughs> and I don't care how much you believe it's not gonna happen, it's gonna happen. You're gonna die. And by the way, I've never heard, you know, they, they never say that you can believe yourself out of not dying. You know, it's, it, that's amazing, isn't it? Because they talk a lot about not being subject to the consequences of sin. Death is a consequence of sin. But they all seem to understand that we're going to die. But they just don't think anybody ought to be sick or poor. So, when we, what, what do we mean when we say have faith? If, if we mean that you absolutely believe this thing is going to happen, then if that's really the case, yes, it's going to happen, because that kind of faith is, is a gift of God. But if you mean by faith that they trust God, then they may not get healed, and they may be full of faith. Because they, they just go right through the thing, trusting God. I mean, it's, in the New Testament, probably the, the, the greatest example of walking in faith is Paul. And Paul was, uh, you know, tormented, <laughs> uh, harassed by uh, uh, what seems to me to be a demon. And uh, just causing trouble, stirring up trouble everywhere that he went. And Paul prayed and asked the Lord to remove that thing from him. He called it a thorn in his flesh. And he asked the Lord, he says, three times to remove it. And the answer that came back every time was, My grace is sufficient for you. Now, that's a very gracious way of saying, No, no, I'm not removing it. It, it serves a purpose. It keeps you humble. And Paul came to understand that because of the, Paul said of himself, because of the great, it was given to me because of the great revelation that I have. So it was given to him to keep him humble. And God was more interested in keeping Paul humble, humble and causing him to persevere to the end and be saved, finally saved. He was more interested in doing that than, than granting him a comfortable lifestyle. And I, I, I'm confident if you could talk to Paul today and ask him which one he would prefer from this vantage point. In fact, he even said it in the Scripture uh, that all of the afflictions that he suffers now are, are, are just light afflictions compared to the glory uh, you know, that he would enjoy in eternity that was before him. So, if, if you mean by faith trusting God, then there are a lot of people who don't get healed who have faith. 
They trust God. They trust God. And that's, that's, that's biblical faith. It's, it's not convincing yourself of something until you make it happen. I mean, you can go ahead and try. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to frustrate yourself. Uh, we, we are creative. You know, we can paint, draw, write, but we're not creators. We, we can't create reality. God does that. So I can, I can, you know, well, the truth is I can't. You can't believe uh, something. If you do, you're just deceived and, and, uh, and, and you're going to find out that it's not going to happen necessarily. Um, so if by faith you mean they absolutely know they're going to be healed, and I would say it's probably true to say they don't have that kind of faith. God, God has not given them that gift. If He did, they'd be healed. And on the other hand, again, uh, if, if you mean by faith that they trust Him, then yes, there's a lot of sick people out there, there's a lot of suffering people out there who are full of faith. Stephen, the Scripture tells us in Acts 6, uh, it was full of faith, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And he was stoned to death after he preached his first sermon. He, he suffered. That's right. That's right. That's, that's, and by the way, that's another way that uh, I've always looked at uh, uh, those situations. You know, and it, it really, it, it seemed like with me anyway, it really came to light again with, with my situation with my mother. You know, because it made me think, what, what would be, like you said, what would be the ultimate healing? I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying for her healing. Well, if, if it was God's will to hear, heal her body and she had lived another 20 years, that'd been great, and that would have been a great blessing. But is it less of a blessing that she got to go home, be with the Lord, and leave this world behind? <laughs> that's, the, that's the ultimate healing. So, she, yeah, she's healed. She was healed. That's right. Amen. And everybody is that knows the Lord. Hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes, but it's like so many other things. Um, let me try to illustrate it this way: to grow, you know, to, to grow in the Lord. Uh, obviously, I mean, we're 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 totally. And of course, faith is key to that. But we're totally dependent on God to grow us. Nevertheless. The Bible is full of instruction, things we must do in order to grow. So, you know, we can't, we, we can't deny the means. The way that God does things ordinarily is through ordinary means. So, in other words, if you want to grow spiritually, read the Bible and pray and ask God to grow you. But don't just sit in a corner and, or, or, you know, or just do nothing. You know, just go about your business. But don't just sit in a corner and ask God to grow you. Read the Bible and pray. Read the Bible. Get in His Word. Study the Word. Study the Word. Study the Word. That's why Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. A workman needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. You gotta, you've got to apply yourself. There are what we, what we call, uh, spiritual disciplines that come into play. 
Bible study, church, you know, fellowship, um, prayer. Uh, those are spiritual disciplines. Even things like partaking of the Lord's Supper, because it's commanded, the Lord says you do it until, until He comes again. So, observing the ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. There, there are all kinds of things that come into play as a part of the Christian life. And God uses those things to grow us. So, am I, if, if I do all of those things, and, and let's, just, let's just say I do all those things faithfully, am I growing me or is God growing me? God's growing me, but He's doing it through the means that He has ordained. So, um, so I was, it's the same way with faith. You know, how, how do we grow in faith? Are we dependent on God? Absolutely dependent upon God. But we, we need to obey His Word. If we want to grow in faith, um, we need to do what Jesus says here. This, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. He's telling the disciples, you didn't have enough faith to cast this demon out. You need to pray and fast. Well, why couldn't God just supernaturally grant them faith? He could, but He didn't. So, he, he ordinarily, He uses ordinary means to accomplish His will. Dan, do you have a question? Yeah. You know, rather than God's will. Right. I'm not grown after nine years to accept it. There's a reason. And if God wants me healed, I can be healed I mean, in the morning. Right. That goes. But I also know that it isn't my fault. That it's, that it's not that I'm not uh, praying hard enough or, I mean, or, you know, right. with enough faith or whatever. Or that, I mean, or, or that even the uh, people praying for me don't have enough faith. Right. I would really resent being taught that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sure it does, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely does. Um, it's a gift, yeah. And and that kind of faith. Yeah, faith is a gift, period. And that kind of faith is a gift. And I think uh that that kind of faith that is we we see manifested in some circumstances in the Bible, like I mentioned in Acts, and also you get over in First Corinthians twelve, um, Paul says that some have the gift of faith. I don't I don't think he's talking about just saving faith there, because every Christian has that, right? I mean, we're, we've all been gifted in in that way. So what is he talking about? He's talking about some special faith, but it's a gift of God. You know, God gives it. And it manifests according to God's will, you know, not, not according to ours. So gifts of healings, um, of faith, and so forth, uh, those are gifts that, that God gives as He pleases. And when He gives them, there's no hit and miss. It works. <laughs> it works. If God, like, again, like Paul in Acts, He perceives that this man has faith to be healed. That man is healed. There's no chance it's not going to happen because God has given the gift. 
So it's definitely going to happen. But he doesn't give the gift to everybody, just like that's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians. Um, not everybody has the gifts of healing. Not everybody has this gift of this kind of faith. Not everybody speaks with tongues. Not everybody has the gift of prophecy, and so on and so forth. All of those things God distributes as He wills. It, it's totally up to Him. So yeah, it's it's a gift. And if and if God, uh, when God gives that gift, it it works. When Jesus sent the disciples out in, in Matthew. Uh, uh, 10, I believe it is, when he sends them out and tells them, I'm giving you authority to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and so forth. You know what? It worked. It happened. He, he gave it to them, and it worked. Uh, so, absolutely. Amen. That's... <laughs> Yeah. Then the glory goes to us. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Amen. And that is the ultimate goal. It's it's not, you know, like you say, not to make me look better, not to make me more comfortable. Or the ultimate goal is to glorify Him. Yeah. I, I would say... Uh, and I'm, I'm giving you opinion here because the Scripture doesn't, uh, like I say, it doesn't lay down, uh, you know, here's how you do it, here's when you do it, here's what. I would say uh, yes. Um, in, in other words, it doesn't seem to me, but again, if, if somebody does this, don't, you know, this is just opinion. And so if somebody says, well, that's what I do, that's fine. But it doesn't seem to me to be something you would just say like, okay, I'm going to set a certain day. Uh, you know, the Pharisees, for example, fasted twice a week. Um, that, it, 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 yeah, and, and, court, and it's certainly in their case, it was empty because they didn't even love God. Uh, again, I wouldn't want to lay down any hard, fast rule because I'm, I'm just giving you opinion here, but... Um, I, that that's what I would be scared of, is that it would, would turn into just a ritualistic thing. But when you get in a situation, you know, you, you, spiritual need, this is the way, as a matter of fact, that uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who, uh, if, if you, great preacher, 20th century, if you get opportunity to read something by Martin Lloyd-Jones, by all means do it. He was past, pastor of Westminster uh, Chapel, in uh, London, but his recommendation was uh, his his understanding was, and I agree with this, that it's 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 for the purpose of spiritual need. And yes, like you said, so then as the spirit leads, when 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 you are in some you've got some sort of spiritual need, uh, you you would use fasting as a means um, to to bring your body into subjection. It's not that fasting itself is going to impress God. Don't misunderstand that. It's not, you know, okay, I'm fasting, and so God's going to take notice and, and uh, be impressed. No. But what it does is bring your body into subjection. And, and I think the idea behind it is to help us understand our dependence upon Him. As long as we're fat and satisfied, so to speak, 
You know, I mean, we just uh, don't know the meaning of, of, of hunger and so forth. Um, we need to taste that sometimes to, to, again, to help us understand how dependent we are, how, fr- how fragile we are, how frail we are, how dependent we are on, on God. And so in some way, and I can't fully explain it, but I know the Bible seems to teach it, in some way fasting helps with that. And I think it's just because, you know, you're de- it's, a, it's a form of self-denial for a specific purpose uh, and, and, you know, helps you focus. You know, I'm, I'm not going to focus on fleshly desires, you know, uh, satisfying my hunger. I'm going to focus on my spiritual need and, and pray and pray. So... Yeah. Just just do it in obedience because it's Yeah. You mean just just do it in obedience because the word says it? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's and that's fine too. So, you know. Hey, I mean this is the spirit speaking. Uh, well, sure it will. It it may not it may it may not accomplish what you're thinking it ought to accomplish. Just like prayer in general. When you pray, you may have a different thing in mind as uh, you know as far as outcome than what God does. So what prayer does is is it doesn't change God's mind; it changes our mind, brings us into line with God's will. And fasting is just a part of that. You know, by by denying uh, fleshly desires, that's that's the goal. We're trying to line up. We're trying to focus on Him and line up with His will. But yeah, if you say, "Well, I don't feel impressed," but Jesus says, "Fast," so therefore I'm going to do it. Well, amen. That's yeah. Well, you will get you want if what you want is a closer relationship to the Lord. See, that's got to be the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's God's got to do the healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like a translator. That's right. You, you blurt out your prayer, which is good. I mean, we're designed. We're we're, uh, we're supposed to do that. Uh, but the Holy Spirit intercedes. And translate, trans, thank, thank God, translates that feeble prayer that I blurted out, uh, translates that into the will of God before the throne. Hmm. 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 
Yeah. Um, yeah. In Romans 8 there, though, he's, he's, he's actually talking about the Spirit doing the utterances, not, not the groaning, not us, but uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, but, yeah, that's true. I mean, sometimes you don't know how to put things into words, but the, but the Holy Spirit uh, intercedes. Let's see. Real, real quick before we close here. Okay, not only that, we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and redemption of our body. For we were saved, for we were saved in this hope. So we're groaning for our redemption, our final redemption. That doesn't mean like that's that's like we're talking about on Wednesday nights, the process of salvation. Paul is saying here we're we're groaning for the completion of our salvation, our our redemption in the end. Um, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. That's Romans eight nineteen, and verse twenty. For the creation was subject, subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. And then you jump down to verse 20. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 23. Next verse. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's the Spirit groaning there. We groan for the redemption. All of creation groans for the final redemption. And the Holy Spirit groans in our behalf as He intercedes for us. Um, he, he Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Um, so it's not, it's not coming from us because it can't be uttered. And, and now He who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, uh, what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So uh, he, he, may, he does groanings that cannot be uttered um, according to the will of God. Uh, so he takes our our feeble prayer and translates it into God's will. Now let me just say this one final thing on faith um, here and on praying, like praying for healing and so forth. Um, when I when I'm uh, you know unless I really uh, uh, I don't want to sound too, too unless unless I really feel led I guess you know use that term impressed led by the Spirit to not pray a certain way. What I, what I do typically when somebody is sick, uh, dying, whatever it is, is ask the Lord for healing. I do that because I think that's the example we find in the Scripture and because Jesus said, you know, what you would people do for you, what you do for them. Um, so, so I ask the Lord, and, and with varying levels, just like we're talking about here, the gift of faith, with varying levels of confidence... I mean, it's different in different situations. 
Sometimes, you know, pray and ask God to heal somebody, and it's almost like, I mean, there's just a great confidence, and it's God-given, it's a gift, but it's going to happen. Other times, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I don't have a clue, and, uh, and sometimes I'm pretty sure uh, that they're not going to, you know, that they're going to die if it's, if it's that, that dramatic, that serious of an illness. Um, so, but again, bottom line, let's just say you don't have a clue then you, you probably want to pray for their healing. But here's, here's the thing that I was getting at. Regardless of what you pray, if you ask God to heal them, uh, and you know, and you're w- even whatever level of confidence there, you ask God to heal them, here, here's how we typically pray. And this is not an empty... It should not be an empty tradition. We, we usually close our prayers by... Or begin them, begin them, close them by saying... Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Now, that's, that's not a magical tag. It's, it's not a formula, you know, a verbal formula so that we can ensure a certain outcome. You know, if I say in Jesus' name, it's got to happen. No, that's not what that is. That is a way of saying, not my will, but yours be done. Because when you say in someone's name, what you're saying is, uh, you know, according to their authority, according to, you know, in line with their character. And so if, if I go out, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on the town Friday night in Jesus' name. Well, then I better be going out there uh, doing my best to represent Christ, right? If I'm, if I'm going out there, like, like when we go out maybe uh, evangelizing, and we, of course this should be every minute of every day for a Christian, we live in Jesus' name. But let's say we're going to go out evangelizing. We're out there in the name of Christ. I asked a guy one time, he was a pretty rough character. and he, I mean, he was a Christian. He loved the Lord. <laughs> and he told me, <clears throat> I have time to go into this, but this may not be far from the truth actually. But I mean, far from right. But he was talking about somebody, you know, we were talking about people getting all up in our faith. We used to go down to the square downtown. Uh, me and some other friends. And, uh, you know, sometimes people get up in your face and stuff. But um, he said, uh, he was talking about how he wouldn't tolerate that off anybody. You know, he'd, he'd, he'd take them out, you know, in, in a normal situation. He said, but, and I thought this was really strange at the time. He said, but, if I'm out there witnessing, if I'm representing Christ, he said, I can't punch him out. Well, you know, like I say, it would take some time to go all the way through that statement, but he's got a point. When you're when you're representing Christ, then you've got to be Christ-like, right? And if, and if you suffer for the sake of the gospel, I mean, uh, you know, you don't you don't want to be taking any kind of vengeance. Now you may have to defend yourself um, uh, under some circumstances, but but you don't want to be vengeful. You know, you don't want to take revenge. And of course, a Christian should never never be. You're, you're representing Christ. You're doing things in His name. So when we pray, Lord, heal this person. And I ask it in Jesus' name. What we're saying is, I'm asking you to heal this person. But, I'm asking it as long as it's in accordance with your will. It's, it's a way of saying, not my will, but yours be done. So if, if I don't know what else to do, I'm going to pray and ask God to heal them if I don't feel like I have any specific direction. But I'm going to put that qualifier on there. 
Lord, your, your will be done in Jesus' name. Like I say, that's not a magical formula. It means that we're submitting to the will of God um, and to God Himself who is wiser than us and knows what the outcome needs to be in a given situation. All right, I guess we're out of time, but I, I hope that helps. I, I think all of that, you know, what we just discussed, if you, if you kind of view these passages in that light, when Jesus talks about believing and nothing is impossible to those who believe, He's not just talking about believing according to your own desires and, you know, your own uh, lust and so forth. He means believing, that is, trusting God. Trusting God. So you're believing uh, what God has promised. You're believing things according to God's will. And if, and if you have that kind of faith, you believe in that way, then nothing, nothing's impossible. Nothing. God's, God's treasuries are opened up to us. All right. Uh, let's... Uh, Let's just pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we do thank You for Your Word, Your promises. And we do pray, Lord, um, as the disciples did, Lord, increase our faith. Because we want to trust You more. So often in this world that we are faced with unfavorable, harsh circumstances and uh, even when things are going what seems to us to be easy and comfortable, we, we don't know what's best for us. You do. So, Lord, we want to trust You. So we pray, increase our faith. Increase our trust in You. Give us understanding as we, as we study Your Word, as we look to You in prayer. Lord, uh, grow us, mature us. Again, for Your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.